G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. No doubt you've heard about the controversy that's developed in rugby league where seven players in the Manly Sea Eagles team have refused to wear a gay pride jumper in tonight's game against the Sydney Roosters. The Manly team had designed a rainbow jumper to wear in the game, but when the players found out via the media that they'd be wearing a jumper celebrating gay pride, as many as seven told management they would not be joining in. James McPherson is an independent journalist, political commentator and contributor to Sky News. He's also the author of the book Notes from Woketopia, Laying Bare the Lunacy of Woke Culture. James is joining us. James, welcome along to 2020. Hi, Neil. Thanks for having me. James, let me ask you, you're suggesting the game of rugby league should be renamed Woke Ball rather than footy. Well, I think so. It seems that the Manly Seagulls, at least, are more committed to displaying their uh, virtue credentials than they are to winning games of football. They're prepared to lose half their starting team in a must-win game uh, rather than uh, simply play football and leave uh, LGBTQ politics to politicians. You had an article published in yesterday's Australian newspaper and uh, it's got a lot of attention. People are very interested in this topic. Yeah, well, I think, you know, we hear about the need for inclusion and the need for diversity all the time. But of course, most of the people who keep banging on about inclusion are actually all about exclusion. The fact is that LGBTQ players are already included in rugby league. They're free to play the game, participate without anybody questioning them at all, as it should be. So this uh, episode with Manly having a rainbow jumper is not to bring more inclusion. Inclusion already exists. Rather, it's to uh, promote um, LGBTQ agendas. And uh, what's not taken into consideration is the fact that many of the Manly players are uh, Polynesian. They're Christians. They're very strong and um, committed to their faith and uh, there's no inclusion for them. They are told uh, you either wear the jumper or you're free to sit on the sidelines. So it, um, it's a bit of a joke, this inclusion and diversity when you are willing to exclude half your team for being different. James uh, fears that the boycott will actually split the Manly Football Club and mess up their final season you're suggesting that the club doesn't seem like it even cares about that. No, well, they certainly seem more committed to virtue signalling than to playing football. Uh, the Manly Seagulls desperately need to win this game to keep their finals chances alive, but uh, they're prepared to have half the starting team sitting on the sidelines uh, because they won't wear the rainbow jumper. Um, this is a non-football decision that has massive implications for their football season. And, of course, the most disenfranchised people are not the players, it's the fans. 
fans pay their money at the gate to see their team play football, not to make political statements, but it seems the suits in head office at the uh, Manly Sea Eagles are much more concerned about uh, messaging than they are about a premiership. The likelihood here that the club might even be fearful of doing what you might think is logical and just backflipping and allowing the players to wear the traditional jumper, but if they did that, uh, they'd be piled on, wouldn't they, by the LGBT lobby? And this is why it's so foolish to start playing a virtue signalling game because you put yourself in a position where you cannot win. Now they've proposed the jumper... Uh, if they were to withdraw the jumper and say, well, we're not going to do it after all, then the Manly Seagull administration would be accused of being homophobic and, and bigoted. So they've made a huge mistake, but they won't backflip. They'll let these seven young Christian players take the fall so that the administration can continue to espouse their uh, inclusive and diversity credentials. And it's quite wrong what they've done to these young men. So you've got these seven young Christian men, uh, great players of the game. Is there an assumption somehow or other within the game, in the NRL, that Christians are sort of wishy-washy, they won't stand up for their beliefs? Are we actually learning something here from these islanders? I'm not sure that there's that assumption that Christians won't stand up for their beliefs so much as there's just a double standard. Uh, when an AFLW player who's a Muslim refused to wear a pride jersey earlier this year uh, she was actually congratulated for her uh, convictions and she was uh, applauded for um, being uh, dignified and graceful in the way she sat out of the game quite differently to the way that the manly seven are being treated uh, isman kawaja great australian cricketer uh, he um, didn't want to join the celebration after the Australian team won the Ashes because they were spraying alcohol and that went against his convictions. So the Australian captain, Pat Cummins, uh, stopped the spraying of alcohol, especially so that their Muslim friend could join them on the winner's dice. Now, that was great of Pat Cummins to do, but Pat Cummins was applauded for uh, making allowance for Usman Khawaja's Muslim faith. But there's a double standard here because there's no appreciation for the seven manly Christians, and there's no allowance for their faith. So I don't think it's that people think Christians won't take a stand. It's just that they don't really care about people who espouse a Christian faith because that's not a protected attribute. What do you make of the thought that the pride jumper is called everyone in league? <laughs> well, it's clearly not, is it? Because half the manly team cannot wear it. And, and it, it belies... Uh, um, understanding that the Manly administration could be so unaware of their own playing group. Uh, I mean, they know their own playing group are um, islanders. They would know that most of them are Christians, but they never took that into consideration. That's how committed to inclusion they are. They never even checked with their own playing group who would have to wear the jumper. So uh, it, it's, it's a, a wonderful uh, bit of satire. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Uh, the jumper is, is called a, a jumper for everybody, and yet half the team can't wear it on religious convictions, and this never occurred to the Manly administration. What are your thoughts about where to for the players? Because when the dust settles, uh, where will the players sit? Uh, are they going to be outcasts on their own team, or are they going to be heroes? What are your thoughts about the players, if they can hold steady through this whole controversy? Look, I don't know about what happens inside the dressing 
game. But I imagine that most young sportsmen, they, they play sport because they want to win games of football and they want premiership glory. So I would be shocked if this causes a rift within the team. There may not be any gay players in the team anyway. Um, when it comes to the court of public opinion, uh, certainly if you look at the article I wrote for The Australian this week, uh, there's well over 500 comments and uh, 90% of them are expressing support for the uh, seven manly players who have chosen to stand out of the game. Uh, the media may well make um, something different of it, but I think the players overwhelmingly enjoy public support because people are sick of going to the football and being preached at. Um, we get preached at all the time, all sorts of means. When you go to the footy on a Thursday or a Friday night, you just want to enjoy a game of football. And I think the public are overwhelmingly on the side of these young men. A wonderful, clever line in your newspaper article in The Australian yesterday when you say the seven players who are out of the team, that leaves enough players for one side of the field, the left wing. I couldn't resist that, Neil. Some of these stories just write themselves. Um, uh, it, it just, I, I mean, it, it's its really sad what's happened, but it, it's quite comical that a football team would be prepared to lose half their players in a must-win game to make a political point. Um, as I said, satire these days, you, you can't do it anymore because real life is so absurd. Um, how do you exaggerate the ridiculousness of, of what's actually happened? James, I mentioned you'd written a book, The Notes from Woketopia, Laying Bare the Lunacy of Woke Culture. At what point do you think wokeism actually becomes regressive rather than progressive? Any thoughts on a tipping point? It's a, it's a great point, Neil. And I don't think there's a tipping point so much as uh, wokeism is in and of itself regressive. Um, in order to stamp out racism, they introduce racial quotas. In order to stamp out sexism, they introduce uh, sex and gender quotas. Um, in order to normalise homosexuality, they make a big deal of homosexuality. And so everything that, uh, whether you call it the, the far left or progressivism or, or the woke people do, um, everything is a step back. Uh, Martin Luther King, the classic uh, example, you know, he had a dream where people would be judged not by the colour of their skin, but by the content of their character. Uh, but these days, the fight against racism is all about noting people's uh, pigmentation and melanin and noting difference. So I think wokeism is inherently regressive. And uh, in all of these areas, we seem to be taking steps backwards rather than forwards towards inclusion and uh, acceptance. James, I imagine there'll be a lot of media attention on the game tonight. Are you intending to watch it yourself? Neil, I, I got to confess, and this may not go well with your audience, but I'm a massive AFL fan. So to be honest, I could care less who wins in the rugby league. But I, I do have a, a soft spot for the North Queensland Cowboys. So um, I'll be keeping an eye on the Cowboys. But as for the game tonight, um, is there an AFL game? Is there one? I don't know. <laughs> if there is, I'll be watching the AFL. Well, James McPherson, fabulous insights today into what's going on. Uh, James, an independent journalist, political commentator, contributor to Sky News, and the author of the book Notes from Woketopia, Laying Bare the Lunacy of Woke Culture. Now, you can connect with James at James McPherson 
www.subtrack.com. That's James McPherson, M-A-C-P-H-E-R-S-O-N dot subtract.com. And you can subscribe for free to get a new article every morning on faith, politics and culture. James, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts and insights with us today on 2020. Neil, thanks for having me. I've really appreciated the chat. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.